Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me tonight, we have Dalton Bishop. Hey. And Christian Ernst. What is up? Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing good. Yeah. Great. I think uh, the top story, how we're opening the show, is a pretty obvious uh, story. There's only one thing that can really lead an episode like this off, and that happened just a few hours ago, actually. The Baltimore Orioles, John Means, throws a no-hitter with 12 strikeouts against the uh, Seattle Mariners. There was one base runner. I don't know, did you guys see who, the, like, how the Seattle Mariners got their base runner? So, it was a wild pitch in the dirt, and then, uh, like, it was a failed strikeout. It was, like, one of those kind of things yeah, where it was a wild pitch and you got on base. Imagine that you went out from a perfect game and it's a drop third strike. That's unfortunate for him. Well, that was like back in the third. Yeah, it was early, but in the last, Dalton, any uh, thoughts on the Orioles no hitter? Mm, man, that's pretty. That's pretty tough. That's cool to be honest with you. And it was the first one since uh, 1969. Yeah, from what I saw, it was the first Orioles no hitter that was a uh, just solo because they had thrown a combined no hitter in the 90s. Yeah, but the yeah. first solo since '69. And Baltimore, I mean, give them credit. They are 15 and 16. They're they're still competitive somewhat in uh, the uh, AL East with uh, your boy in Boston. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, it's an interesting division up there. They got a quality team and you know, they got a good pitcher today. So it's going to be fun to see if they can do something. Oh, I'm just now seeing reports that the Lions are waving carry on Johnson, apparently. That's another story for – a bit later on, there's some uh, Rappaport's tweeting that out just now. Anyway, you all probably came here to hear us talk the NFL anyway. Um, and that, that was our first NFL story we're talking about. No, I'm kidding, but that's what I just saw. Uh, we're going to start the show for the NFL portion with uh, – I'm going to go to Christian first here. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, that whole situation that's going on in uh, Green Bay. I also have you take away from here, Christian. So, uh, everyone knows, you know, kind of the Aaron Rodgers versus Green Bay kind of thing. Uh, it, you know, happened to deal with, you know, Aaron Rodgers not being given uh, much talent over in Green Bay, whether in free agency or the draft that, you know, was this past Thursday through Saturday. And everyone's expecting um, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay to kind of hash this out, um, you know, kind of indoors in the facility uh, but it got public Thursday, and a lot of people are saying that Aaron did this. Aaron was the one that put the stuff out. But uh, I, I believe it was Friday morning or Friday afternoon, Schefter put out a report kind of like laying down everything going on, and he was saying league and team sources. So there's some saying that the team, uh, how Green Bay put this out, Um you know, league of, you know, other league officials like Denver or San Francisco, because obviously they were calling about Rogers, you know, uh, the Rams called about Rogers before they went to Matthew Stafford, which of course is one and two quarterback in the NFC North last year. So it's very complicated. Um, and I think what Green Bay and Aaron should do, uh, personally, I'm on, I'm on Aaron's side. I mean, you cannot, just give and give that organization everything. 
It was very successful without an owner, still has been, which I think there needs to be an owner sometime soon in Green Bay. But years and years, he's had really one weapon at most two to help Green Bay move into uh, the NFC Championship games and, you know, the one Super Bowl back in 2010. Uh, really, 2010, 2011 season, so 2011. But, you know, for years, Aaron Rodgers has been carrying his team with third, fourth, fifth round weapons. And even his offensive line, Cordy Lindsley was drafted in the fourth. Bakatiari was drafted in the fourth. Uh, I'm pretty sure TJ Lang was drafted in the fifth. So, like, even the, his best offensive linemen, they're not the high pinnacle guys you see. I think what Aaron should do is, you know, he should kind of hold back. He's got this Jeopardy gig, which, you know, CBS may say, hey, Aaron, you want to take over? You know, you're the first choice. Uh, Green Bay, I think Green Bay burned the bridge when they drafted Jordan Love back last year, trading up to get him, and then drafting Eric Stokes, uh, who wasn't even a top five uh, corner, even at the time, um, on many people's draft boards. So it's a very dirty situation uh, that Green Bay and Aaron have to kind of mesh and see what happens. But uh, I'm on more Aaron's side than Green Bay. No, that's going to play itself out. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks like, you know, Deshaun Watson in Houston say, hey, I'm not playing another down for the Houston Texans. So, Rodgers, I mean, he's got a nice uh, money situation. He's not hurting that financially right now. So, of course, if anyone offered me that kind of money, I would not turn it down. But that's another story. Uh, and there was reports today from The Athletic that apparently he privately told teammates that – uh, the GM is basically Jerry Krause, the infamous full GM from back in the 90s, which I think is a little unfair because Jerry Krause, at least to some degree, put some talent around Michael Jordan and Jordan in spite of him. Man, that's, that's a little digression there. Uh, Dawn, your overall thoughts on the uh, whole Aaron Rodgers situation in, down in Green Bay? Uh, I mean, it's not surprising. Uh, yeah, the it's I just <laughs> uh I don't know man. How hard is it to put down the guts? My mind it really does. Um uh, seen it before. Well not it uh he wants out. out. I mean I don't know, man. He's California cool. Uh not really like, I don't know. Cold weather doesn't really seem to be Aaron Rodgers' thing. Um, I honestly, honestly, I would like, I mean, he's obviously not happy. He's taking shots at management and management's not helping him out. Like, this is, this is a damaged relationship. Like, you can't, you can't fix this. Like, this is done. Over. Uh, just train them already. Like, that's in which he gets traded. That's what I'm looking for. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're any team outside of a – like, Kansas City, they're set with Mahomes. Tampa Bay, at least in the short term, is set with Brady. And then uh, I guess Seattle with Russ and I guess Baltimore – not Baltimore. I mean, they're probably set with Lamar. 
Buffalo with Josh Allen. There's a few teams, maybe more out there, that are pretty set at quarterback, at least in the uh, short term. That, but I'm just saying, if you're some other team, at least make a uh, like a call to Green Bay and see what, if you can prime away. I know some teams just drafted a quarterback, so they're probably not looking to make more moves. But, I mean, just something to monitor the rest of the offseason. Um, speaking of NFL quarterbacks, last Thursday on draft day, in the another story that broke that day, was a uh, former NFL quarterback Tim Tebow has been working at tight end, and he's uh he's from Florida, uh, and the Jaguars apparently were interested. Urban Meyer, of course, is college coach at Florida, which I've always been a big Tebow fan. I know he hasn't had like the arm talent or wasn't really a, a uh, good quarterback, and that's kind of why his, his career flamed out when it did. But I mean, tight end was what people said he probably should have done. Years ago, when he was still playing football, before he went to the whole minor league baseball stint. So, if Tebow does get a gig playing for the Jaguars, I'll watch them just because I love Tebow. Uh, I'll go to Christian first. And your uh, thoughts? Because we all remember Tebow mania back when he was in Denver. We were still in grade school, but that was you couldn't turn sports center on and without seeing highlights from Tim Tebow with the Broncos. Is this uh, your thoughts with Tebow maybe making another NFL comeback? Um, you know, I really respect Tim Tebow, uh, very, you know, he's a very uh, loud voice. You know, I think when, uh, Tim Tebow speaks, a lot of people listen because he really cares about the players. He, you know, and when it was college, when he was on game day, he cared a lot about the players and was a real big dude on the pay, uh, pay to play act, which may not, you know, may, may not get into effect, uh, around 2023, 2024 ish. Uh, he's a very emotional guy, but he still plays hard. When he was in Florida with a whole bunch of other people that we don't want to mention, um, he was really good. He was, you know, kind of the top guy uh, in college football. Even if you know he wasn't the best player, he was still very, um, you know, very good and had a loud voice. I think with Tebow, he's very athletic. Um, and if he plays tight end, you know, I think it would be good just to have Tim Tebow in that locker room. Maybe not playing tight end and being, you know, the day one starter, but definitely uh, put him in the locker room as a coach, as a motivational speaker, uh, helping Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, if he has any questions, kind of, you know, ease his way into the league. Because, I mean, what, let's face it, Trevor is not going to have the easiest of time uh, with, you know, with Jacksonville because, well, that division, besides Houston, it's a real tough division between Indianapolis and Tennessee. Uh, you got to play, you know, that's four games of your season. And then uh, possibly the Jets, who we'll get into, they had a really nice draft and a really nice um, free agency. So the Jets are on the rise. Um, there's a lot of good that's coming uh, for Jacksonville. So it, it's going to be a real real fun time. Yeah. Dolan, your uh, thoughts on the potential Urban Meyer-Tim Tebow reunion down in Jacksonville? I don't know, man. I want to see it. That'd be, that'd be sick. Um, apparently, word on the street is that he played tight end in high school. So No, he I mean, was definitely wouldn't... quarterback in high school. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, 
obviously, if he, if he wants to try out at tight end, this would not be his first rodeo. Uh, I'm not sure why somebody who's never played tight end before would want to play tight end in the National Football League with a bunch of professionals, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, I want to see it. That would be nice. It's right in his backyard almost, and it would be cool. Um, another story that I, I found a little interesting. Uh, you did you by any chance catch the whole uh, Jawan James situation in uh, Denver? Yes. Yeah. So uh, Jawan James, for those that don't know, plays for the Broncos. He tore his Achilles, but the thing is, he did it on his own time. Is how they're putting it. He was training at a uh, different facility that was not the team that he plays for the Broncos facility, which. Apparently, if you're not at your team, and this has been a rule for a long time, this is nothing new. It's not just because this is recently. He's not at his own practice facility, so it's considered non-football related injury, and therefore he's technically not guaranteed his salary. Which again, that's in the contract. That's between like your agent, and your uh, the owners of the team, and whatnot. I don't know. Maybe Denver will do something right and give him some of the money, maybe they'll just be like, hey, our contract says we owe you nothing. We're going to give you nothing. Tough luck. I mean, I think you do side here. And to a degree, I see both arguments. And I mean, I need to get like a contract expert here to break it down. But it seems like he's not entitled, which is unfortunate for him because he tore his Achilles and will miss the upcoming season. Uh, Don, you took a sports law class in college like I did too. I don't know if you remember anything about contract law and uh, the different angles you can take here. It's just a very unfortunate situation for him that because of COVID, they're not real. The NFOPA is not really encouraging them to work out on the team facility, to work out on their own at home or at a facility. And he essentially just cost himself $10 million. I mean, it's a very unfortunate situation, but don't any uh, thoughts on that first. Um, I think, uh, well, here's the thing. Like, I saw the reports, and oh my gosh, that's 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 basically that's more of on the agent and the um, GM getting that settled out in the contract. The fact that he's not making ten million because he's injured and it was off of. Is like not at a team facility. That's a bunch of baloney. Like that's you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't help that. And you're supposed like Spitz. You know, you know about contracts, and or at least I hope that you know about contracts. Yeah, you took the class. Um, you're supposed <laughs> once you sign that contract, man. It's set in stone. Like you can't, you can't really do anything about it. Um, until you have to, of course, I mean, like, unless you want to revise that said contract or make a new one. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I just did not like that. Um, mm, that hurts because, I mean, I don't know, he's missing out on $10 million. <laughs> And I don't know if I was his agent, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be a little pissed. To be honest with you, yeah, I, you gotta, be, maybe I'd, I'd be a little contract pissed. negotiate different points. I mean, he opted out last year, so he didn't play. He, he signed four year, fifty one million dollar contract in twenty nineteen. Although he's only played a few games 
it since the, he signed that contract. So, unfortunately, he hasn't lived up to the hype in Denver, but partly is because of injuries and opt-outs. Uh, Christian, I don't know how much you've seen the Juwan James, but just your uh, take on the whole situation. Um, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I think the NFL um, should have, you know, kind of disclosed this information instead of just basically embarrassing Jawan James saying like, Oh, look at this. This is the bad example of what not to do. So basically I, I think one of two things, I think one, um, you know, especially with the COVID times. And I think for the next year or two, uh, it'll be more kind of uh, virtual and, you know, not like, you know, contact, uh, off-season training things. So, you know, for your players, you would have to train outside of the facility. You would have to do workouts on your own and do all this stuff. So I think that, you know, there could be something where, um, you know, maybe maybe you don't have to pay all of the salary. Maybe, you know, teens can have the option of not paying him you know, for this amount of weeks or stuff like that. But the NFL basically like, yep, we look down upon this and we don't want anybody to basically do on their own because injuries may happen. At the same time, the NFL is like, oh, you can't work out together. You got to work out on your own. You can't just say, oh, work out on your own, but don't work out on your own. It's kind of, you know, it, 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 you're sending mixed signals here where it's like, basically – at what them two are saying is, uh, yeah, between these two options, just sit at home, eat a whole bunch of junk food, and then once you get back, once COVID's over, yep, go right ahead and, you know, do practice or whatever. I think I think like, it hurts for Jawan because he's got this injury. He won't be paid a certain amount of money or, or any money at all because he worked out on his own for Denver for uh, preparing for next season. Which, by the way, uh, you know, camp starts in, like, what, July, August? Like, it's not very far away. So he's just trying to get a little workout in and prepare himself. So it sucks for Denver. Um, They did not – I think they only had, like, one offensive lineman they drafted out of Wisconsin uh, Whitewater. So not, like, a top um, school. But Denver, they do need – you know, off the offensive line help because they got to protect Drew Locke or, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or possibly Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's been a big rumor. Uh, it does hurt Jawan a ton, and uh, hopefully, you know, he can come back soon enough. Yeah, best of luck on the uh, recovery from the injury. But, again, very unfortunate situation. They just shining a light on the FL or NFLPA on the relationship that both sides have. Um. Then uh, real quick before we go into our draft recap, just a, a couple things I saw yesterday. Uh, Ravens, who just a while back traded Orlando Brown to the Chiefs uh, for the 31st pick in the draft, and then uh, they also traded some more picks, I think. They have announced that they have signed former Pittsburgh Steeler Alejandro Villanueva. Um, kind of interesting seeing. Which is, it's not uncommon in the NFL to see teams go to a uh, – "Quote unquote division rival and Villanueva has now done that, going to the Ravens, and then the uh, Raiders signing the Chargers Casey Hayward to a contract. 
Uh, I'll go Christian first. Uh, your thoughts on both sightings? Uh, I think Baltimore, um, you know, really helping that offensive line up for Lamar. Uh, I wouldn't say the offensive line is terrible, you know, especially after trading away. Um, gosh, what's his name? Uh, whew, I forget his forget his name. Um, but anyway, picking up uh, Villanueva, that is a huge addition to the offensive line. I still wouldn't say it's very, you know, top. Uh, you know, Ronnie Saylor's really good. Kevin Zyder, uh, he was great in Cincinnati, good in uh, New York, and now he's in Baltimore. That offensive line is getting better with, you know, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line in Cleveland. Uh, except for Cincinnati, there, there's some tough defensive lines in that division, and uh, I think that's a – underrated signing a lot of people are like oh he got signed here um but i think i think for baltimore it's very very huge uh trying to get that offensive line uh knocked down oh orando brown by the way uh was the traded one correct yeah orlando brown for uh from baltimore to kansas city so i think it's big for um you know both teams you know for getting their guys and making that offensive line because Patrick Mahomes, I mean, we all know he was running around and, you know, running like a chicken with his head cut off because the offensive line went down and injuries and everything. So now hopefully with a good offensive line, Kansas City may have a good shot of possibly going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Dalton, your thoughts on either Villanueva or Casey Hayward signing? Um, I like both, yeah. I think that they could be great additions to their team. Uh, Villanueva will just fit right in um, after Orlando Bound got traded away. I think Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward's been pretty good. He's a pretty good corner. He's been a nice veteran uh, for a while now. I think that he'll um, he'll definitely improve the secondary. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I believe I saw a report that uh, it was just a headline that I catched. I didn't look in depth on it. But Villanueva had some offhand comment about how he doesn't think his teammates will be on like obsessed or something with uh, the p- social media platform TikTok, which of course infamously Juju and others on the still <laughs> kind of got distracted by it. Seeing that's funny. Uh, that's neither uh, um, here nor there, really. Anyway, on to uh, the draft recap, which I think that's pretty much what everyone's tuning in for tonight. Um, First, we're just going to start go around the uh, room here with what we thought our uh, favorite team versus the overall thoughts on uh, our favorite team's draft. For me, with the Patriots, honestly, I love this draft. I don't see any quote unquote bad picks. I think everything, like we got a quarterback, Mac Jones, in the first round, which we all pretty much saw England taking a quarterback, and they were going to hold back and wait to see who fostered them. Ended up being Mac Jones, a guy that they may have really liked. Um, I think Barmore in the second round was a steal out of Alabama. He's a D-tackle. Some people said the best D-tackle prospect or one of the top D-tackle prospects in the class. Really like that. Uh, we get, So, there's two Bama boys there. We had two Oklahoma guys, Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson. One Perkins defensive end, Stevenson running back. Uh, I like both those picks. And then the later rounds, I think the picks just – maybe not contribute right away, but I think they'll be really good long term. I, I, I have no – complaints and I rarely do outside like take a kicker in the fifth round who nobody ever heard of me now he's off the roster here later that's the only time I've ever been 
really concerned the Patriots pick was last year, and he's no longer on the team. So I have no complaints here. Uh, I know at least in the moment both of you guys had some complaints about your earlier picks. I'll go, uh, I'll go with the team that had a first-round pick. I'll go Christian first. Your overall thoughts on the Green Bay Packers draft class. Um, I think – so looking at the entire list now, I think it's a good class. I think it's a good class. Um. I feel like if we got Stokes, say, in the third round or fourth round, because um, I, f- I feel like he would be there, you know, po- possibly be there in the third round or even in the fourth, uh, then I would be like, yep, it's a home run. After looking at Stokes, he's a hard hitter. Like, him and J.C. Horn have this comparison of, like, they are aggressive on the ball. Uh, he's had a lot of penalties, you know, because of pass interference and hitting uh, before the ball gets there. Um, so you know he, you know, he's a hard hitting corner, which you kind of like because Kevin King in the NFC Championship game just let whoever uh, Tom Brady's uh, Walmart, you know, greeter receiver just go right by him, and him, him just watching the game. He's just watching on the side. I'm like, oh, I think I should cover that guy, but I really want to watch the goats. Uh, play, you know, quarterback. So he just let uh, Scotty Miller go. But I think Green Bay needed to find a way to get the secondary better, especially in the corners, because Jair, we know Jair Alexander is a top corner in this league. Maybe top five, uh, top ten, I would say for sure. Um, You know, he covers really well. He's very aggressive. Uh, coming out of the Ville, we know it. Um, he he was a great, great corner for Green Bay the last several years and really handled the number one uh, corner spot. So Stokes, I think, eventually will become a really good player. In the moment, not the biggest fan. Um, I would really like a receiver at that time, Elijah Moore, um, you know, possibly Tutu, who L.A. drafted. Um I'm trying to think who else was on uh, who else was on the board at the time, but Elijah Moore was someone I really wanted. We got Amari Rogers in the third round, which I think he's a good receiver. I don't think he was a he wasn't the top guy for a reason, but I think he'd be a nice slot, and I think Green Bay will eventually, you know, make kind of something out of him. Um, it like it just hurts me because like. We needed just a receiver, just first-round receiver. You know, if he's a bust, okay, it's not your fault. Just show Aaron Rodgers, hey, we care about you. We want you to be here. Draft a receiver. And I'm like, if not a receiver, a tight end, a weapon of some sort to throw the ball to. And they pick up a cornerback. The only offensive player they drafted since like 2012 or 2013, that's not offensive line, is the backup quarterback. Like – it, it was just, you know, upsetting to me. But overall, not being, you know, a fan uh, mind state, I really do uh, like this class. Helping the offensive line, helping uh, the secondary. So I think it's a good class overall. Yeah, I really like the uh, Josh Myers pick out of Ohio State, the center, replacing Corey Lindsley, who signed with the Chargers in the offseason. I, I like that pick a lot, you know. Yeah. I, I like Creed Humphrey a little bit more. And he was on the board, but, you know, I don't think it was a bad pick by stretch of the imagination at all. I think it was just kind of like they were the top two offensive linemen, I think, at the time. And I think it was Meyer. I think it was Green Bay, then Kansas City. So, basically, I think both 
guys would have gone on boom, boom. Uh, they're just like, I think they like Josh Myers more, and hopefully he is better than Green. Yeah. Uh, Dalton, I know oof, we're in, the, in the moment you were not a big fan of some of the Rams picks, but I know I don't know if it's changed in the last few days as you digest this Rams uh, draft class. Just your overall thoughts on the uh, LA Rams draft class? Uh, yeah, Spence. Yeah, you guys, you guys witnessed my um, outrage with the first couple. Um, of course, I was not. I was not the best at that moment in time, so maybe it was judging me, judging my or clouding my judgment a little bit. But um, yeah, these were mostly picks. Like they were just drafting for depth. Like the two two Atwell pick was just for depth, I guess, just in case the uh, Djax gets injured. Um, they drafted Ernest Jones out of South Carolina, which at the moment in time I was not really a fan of until I started watching his highlights and then, and then I liked him a little bit more. They drafted Bobby Brown the third at D tackle from Texas A&M in the fourth round, um, which that made sense because we lost Michael Brockers and Morgan Fox to free agency, so they needed to draft somebody. And then Robert Rochelle, 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 if, if you know, if anybody gets that Seinfeld reference, which is, uh, they drafted we drafted him in the fourth round from Central, from uh, Central Arkansas. He's a cornerback, and that made sense too because we lost Troy Hill in free agency, and then they needed a, a, a second corner. As for the late round picks, a bunch of um, a bunch of special teamers, I would have to assume. Um, not really sure. I think it was an all right draft this year. Like most drafts that we've had um, here recent, we just draft for depth. Like, I mean, there's a reason I'm sitting on my couch watching the draft and they're actually drafting NFL players. Um, In Malibu, nonetheless. Yeah, so obviously they know something that we don't. Um, so I have to be okay with it. Um, I have to assume that some of these cats are going to make the ro- make the roster and contribute, and I have to assume that some won't. Um, there are a few players that I like and that I hope that will make the 53-man roster. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was an all right draft given where we picked, how many picks we had, so on and so forth. Um, you know, all things considered. Yeah. Okay, now I want to go around in the, uh, the room here and get uh, your a player you really like in your draft class and a player players you uh, maybe don't like or you question the pick. For me, the player I liked is a uh, – it's a guy from Bam, but probably the one you're thinking of. I really like the Christian Barmore pick. That's probably my favorite one. Uh, some people ranked him number one D tackle in the class. He's not going to play every down. They'll play rotationally as a uh, D tackle because we've lost a few DTs, uh, Adam Butler and others, in the last year or two. We still have Lawrence, the guy who already signed, but he's getting up there in age. So I really was excited when we saw Christian Barmore, who, you know, some mocked to be a first-round uh, player. Uh as for me, there's really nothing that it'll pick that I question. Although, if I had to pick one, it might be uh, uh, maybe Joshua Bloodstone of Missouri. I don't know much about him personally, but that's like the only pick that, like, some of those later picks is like, if he hits, cool. If he doesn't hit, it's no big deal. That's not really a pick that I, I question too much. It's probably because I just trust uh, Belichick and uh, Ernie Adams, who made his final draft class this year. 
I don't know. I just don't see anyone that I do not like in this draft class. But Barmore is by far my favorite. Uh, Christian, player you really loved the Packers draft, and then the uh, player that you like either question a pick or like question like you don't think they'll be that good in Green Bay, just et cetera. Take it how you want. Um, I think I think you you, know, you kind of mentioned this and just kind of stole the spotlight. Uh, Josh Myers. I think Josh is a huge, huge addition to this offensive line, and I think he'll play. You know, I think Elton Jenkins, if we win, like, guard or something, uh, I thought Elton Jenkins could possibly take the uh, center position because when Corey was hurt, Elton moved over from guard to center. So I think Elton Jenkins, you know, I have really loved that pick since picking him up uh, back in 2019. I think he is a tremendous, tremendous offensive lineman. Um, you know, back at Yari, Jenkins, uh, Billy Turner. We'll try to figure out the right tackle situation. Don't know what's going on there. But definitely the left side of that offensive line is is looking really good. You know, back at Yari coming back full healthy. Elton, Myers, I think it's going to look amazing, our offensive line. The one question I have is defensive tackle uh, Tedrell Slayton. Um he was a guy, you know, he's from Florida, 6'4", 330. Um, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a good prospect, but overall-wise, you know, there's only like, you know, not even a full uh, 300 or maybe a little bit more draft picks, like people who got picked up, and he wasn't projected now. You know, he was has a grade of 30, uh, 21st overall defensive tackle, and he got picked up in the fifth round over some other prospects. Um, I hope, you know, he's kind of a gym, you know, that everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, we probably don't think this kid's going to be anything. I'm hoping he's something. Uh, I'm not really uh, mad about this class. Shamar John Charles, uh, what I've had and what I've heard uh, from a former uh, App State, um, you know, person who was in there, uh, they thought, you know, John Charles was an amazing corner for them. So I think he's a very, very underrated, and I think he's going to be really good. But overall, I think this class was okay. It was good, but Myers is my favorite. Nice. Don't uh, take it how you want. Favorite player and least favorite, or I pick you question on the LA Rams this year. Um, I have a couple for for like picks that that I uh, like. I. I kind of am low-key liking this Robert Rochelle cornerback pick. Uh, I was watching some of his highlights, and, of course, he played at Central Arkansas, which they're – they're a um, – uh, what are they? Uh, they played North Dakota State this past year, and he was playing against Trey Lance, who got drafted third overall to the Niners. Uh, and he was playing pretty well and holding his own against that team. Um, so I like that, and – um, he's fast. I think he ran, of course, you know, everybody might be running a four, three this year at the combine or at the, at their pro day, but he's fast. He's got that speed, um, fluid hips. I mean, he could be, he could be a starter for us this year. And then I like Jacob Harris, who's a six, five wide receiver from UCF. Um, he's fast too. I mean, because he's six, five, I figured they'll move him to tight end and then, um, create all sorts of mismatches. Um, for opponents that we have to play. So I hope that he gets the start. Um, pick that I question. We took th- this running back, Jake Funk, out of Maryland. 
in the seventh round. And I'm not sure why, because we had three or we have three running backs on the roster currently. Uh, actually, four. Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, uh, Raymond Calais, and Xavier Jones. Uh, but Jake Funk, I kid you not, he averaged 8.6 yards a carry last year in the Big Ten. Uh, kind of crazy. I guess they, I guess they just drafted it because he's because he had an insane year. But that was nuts. I thought that that was a typo at first first minute first sight, but nope. Uh, apparently, apparently he was good enough to get drafted. I figure he'll make the special teams, but that was kind of a weird pick for me. Yeah. Now on to uh, hopefully not a clouded judgment with the uh, other teams' uh, draft classes. We're going to start with uh, the top five quarterbacks, and then we're going to give you a quarterback that we all think will be a kind of a hidden gem, kind of a steal from later rounds. So we'll begin with, uh, obviously, the number one pick, uh, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, going to Jacksonville. I mean, it was the easiest first-round pick in a while. I mean, usually you can tell who's going to win before they begins. Even then, you can tell early in the draft process who's going to win overall. And Trevor Lawrence was the guy. And we've, we've talked his praises a lot. He It's going to be different because he's been a winner everywhere he goes. And part of the reason he's, reason he's a winner is because he has a lot of talent around him. Jacksonville, yeah, they got talent, but it's not the uh, – the same, although they did take his boy Travis Etienne later in the first round. Pick some people question. Uh, I think it's just you know give him his uh, running back back, and he also has some other running backs like James Robinson who emerged last year. Uh, again, I think it's going to take a couple years for Jacksonville to you know build some pieces around him, but again, he's going to I think he'll have a solid career. Obviously, when it's all said and done, he could be a potential Hall of Famer. But again, that's so hard to project these guys early in their career. But he, he seems to be on the right track once they can get some help in the next couple years. Uh, Dolan, your overall uh, – I mean, we, we all saw it coming. Just uh, your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence and how his career is going to project the next few years. Yeah, I mean, his future is his future's bright. Um, I mean, as long as, as long as they keep building, building that O-line and, you know – Getting more playmakers, having a defense, all sorts of things that you look for in a successful football team. Um, Jaguars can do some damage um, in a division that's. I wouldn't say it's that tough. Uh, the Titans seem to be the front runners almost every year, but the Colts are obviously doing some damage. Uh, and the Texans, their Texans are dysfunctional this year. So, I, I think that they're out of the mix. Um, I mean, yeah, they could they could really do some damage this year if, if everything works and Urban Meyer really, really dials it up and Trevor plays well. Um, I mean, we'll see. But I, but I really like the uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, to Jacksonville. I think he could – I think he could really, really um, – be a pro bowler within the next few years. Yeah. Christian, your uh, takeaway on the Jags going with Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, like you like y'all mentioned, Trevor is, you know, we kind of knew right away uh Trevor was gonna be the number one overall pick to whichever team. It could have been Green Bay, it could have been whatever team was up there number one. 
uh, they were going to go for Trevor Lawrence. He is that good of a prospect. You can't you can pass up. Um, and Jacksonville, I think, had a good class. I think Travis Etienne is an interesting one because James Robinson, who was an undrafted free agent, you know, he was an absolute just stud with Jacksonville. So I'm guessing in Jacksonville they're like, yeah, he's good and he could be, you know, developmental, but Etienne's our guy. And it's one of the first ever duos, I think the first ever duo, where they played in college and they're going to play in the NFL, which I think is really cool. Yeah, um, I think it, yeah, I think they have a good offense, you know, offensive line pickups. Uh, Walker Little, I think he is, you know, he was a top tackle, kind of underrated. Um, he does say he's, you know, top ten. I think he's probably a little bit better. A lot of people, you know, scouts kind of had him and Panay so early before the Pac-12 played. Um, and I think they have a really, you know, good and underrated class. I think they really helped uh, the defense out, you know, picking up uh, Jay Tefeli and uh, Jordan Smith from UAB. Uh, you know, giving him some little underrated weapons like Luke Farrell, who I think, you know, I don't know. I've, I've heard of the name, so I thought he was, you know, a little bit higher on the board. Maybe he wasn't. And then uh, Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech. And remember, uh, he, he was a very fast dude. So he's a special team dude from – I remember from U of L. So he's a fast dude, so special teams guy. But <clears throat> in that division, uh, Jacksonville may be the third best team, you know, in front of Houston. But I think they can compete possibly against uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis. I think it will be a while until they compete, you know, for – the championship, you know, AFC or even the Super Bowl. But with Trevor Lawrence, it's a step in the right direction, so it's going to be big. Yeah, they can, I mean, we saw how good they could be if they had a good – if they had, like, a talented defense because Blake Bortles, I mean, for all his faults he had, that defense carried them to a conference title game, and they were on the brink of a Super Bowl appearance one year. So, Jacksonville has had some success recently, so it's not out of the question. And I also saw a uh, tweet or someone point out, that Trevor Lawrence has now had more offensive skill position players drafted for his help than Aaron Rodgers has had because they drafted Travis Etienne later in the first round, and Aaron Rodgers has not had any skill position player taken in the first round at least. Uh-huh. It's not nothing against that because Devontae has been a huge plus. He was a second-round pick, so it's not like it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. On to uh, the second pick, another pick we saw coming from a uh, mile away, Zach Wilson, who – I like the player. I do not like him at second overall. It's kind of like how Mac Jones, if he would have gone third to four nines, it would not have looked good, but then he fell 15, so it looks better. That's how I feel about Wilson. I think Wilson has the talent, but I think New York is just – I mean, it's a new regime now, so we'll see how it plays out. But New York has been dysfunctional lately, and maybe this is going to change with Salah and company. But I just see him struggling early on. I mean, we'll have to see how his career plays out, but I, I do not like this pick that much. I thought if he was a mid-round quarter, mid-first-round pick, it would have looked a lot better. And I think the Jets made a slight reach here, but that's just my personal takeaway on that. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. Uh, I'm usually wrong on some of this stuff anyway. Uh, I'll go Dalton first. Your uh, takeaway with Zach Wilson going uh, second overall and how you think he's going to do. Because, I mean, I think the division's kind of tough. Buffalo's really good. New England made some moves this year to hopefully help. Miami seems to be 
trading in the right direction there, Flores. That, he's not, it's going to be a tough situation going forward, at least a little bit. Yeah, dude. Literally, if he could have gone, he could have gone to any other division besides maybe a couple. But the AFC East literally has what, like, out of maybe maybe a top. Let's see, top three out of the top five defensive coaches in the league. Like that, he could have he couldn't have gone to a worse situation. He is going to get. I don't, I, he's going to get beat so bad. Like Belichick, he feasts on rookie quarterbacks. Brian Flores is no slouch, and then Sean McDermott obviously can hold his own uh, by you know, of course, winning fourteen games last year. Um, yeah, it's not good. Uh, it's not good at all. Uh, I don't think I have any more to say about it. Uh, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. I feel bad for him. Yeah. I mean, he's got the intangible, so I mean, I hope he succeeds, but not too much because he's in New York to a degree. But I mean, I don't wish it a mini ill will. I just don't see it happen, at least not short term, at least. Uh, I think he's going to be slightly better than Sam Darnold, though. Take that how you want. Christian, your uh, reaction and takeaways to Zach Wilson? Um, I think we all can agree. We don't think Zach Wilson is uh, the second best quarterback on the board, especially I do not. I don't think. I think he's a good quarterback. I think the Patrick Mahomes kind of style he played, and he also played at BYU. Like, not to say BYU or any of the teams they played is just, like, undervalued, but the best recruits, they go to the SEC, they go to the Big Ten, they go to the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. If you play against those guys, say Zach Wilson was at, like, Georgia or something, and he's going up against SEC talent and just smoking everybody, then I think – yeah, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, top two guys, I, I would say. Um, I think New York, just like they wanted Zach, they liked how close he, you know, kind of reminded them of Patrick Mahomes. And, like, they, New York, it surprised me, their first four picks were all offensive help. Like, they are making sure Zach Wilson is, they helped Zach way more. He hasn't even played a snap for them. They've helped Zach way more than they've helped Sam Darnold besides the Makai Becton uh, pick back last year. You know, trading up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, getting Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, getting Michael Carter, who was, you know, behind ETN and um, uh, Najee Harris. He was 3-4 running back in the class, and they stole him in the fourth round. Uh, Then he went complete defense. And I think Salah, like, you know, he is a defensive my head coach. Uh, he did great with San Francisco the last couple of years. Um, you know, when it was a fully healthy defense, we saw what happened uh, two years ago. And even when it was injured, it was still like a mediocre, above average defense. And all their defensive stars went down because of the uh, New York Jets slash Giants field in MetLife. Uh, back early in the season, so that's kind of a coincidence. But still, I think Zach Wilson isn't the number two guy in my eyes. Um, I think someone who gets drafted to a rival of mine is the second best. But, um, yeah, I think Zach Wilson, I think he'll do okay in the AFC East. It's a tough division now, I think. But uh, he's got a lot on his plate. Yeah, I will say you bring up the competition. BYU plays independent, which – Last year was difficult to fill because a lot of teams were conference only. 
So it was difficult to throw to schedule as an independent, but they did come up with a last-minute matchup with Coastal Carolina at one point last year, and that was a very good game. If you, if you got a chance to watch that December, uh, BYU unfortunately lost the game, but I mean Wilson made his case why he's a big prospect, and they won. They won a bowl game for what it's worth. Mm. Anyway, third pick Trey Lance, a guy that some of us saw coming. I definitely thought it was a possibility, but I thought they would go Mac Jones. I was glad they did. My cousin Scott, huge 49ers fan, he he's told me all week, he's like, oh, if we take Mac Jones, I'm going to hate that. As soon as they take Trey Lance, he texted me, he's like, oh, I'm so happy they didn't take Mac. That was like the only thing they wanted the 49ers fans to not know. Anyone but Mac was their mantra. They took Trey Lance, who, again, hails from FCS level, same school that produced Carson Wentz. And, you know, Wentz had a very good start to his career. Maybe he'll rejuvenate something in uh, Indianapolis. We'll have to see how that uh, translates. But Trey Lance is one full year of starting. He did not throw an interception, which is very in- interesting, very uh, unlikely. They had one game, which I don't know if it counted as an actual game, but he did throw an interception against Central Arkansas. And uh, it was kind of like a showcase game for him. Clearly didn't matter. The 49ers fell in love with him. And also credit to the 49ers for not like tipping their cap that, hey, we're definitively taking Trey Lance, kind of keep everyone on their edge. Of what will the 49ers do? And I'm rooting for the kid, but I think that with at least with Jimmy G, the situation there, my belief, and this is no inside information here, this is my just personal takeaway. I think Jimmy's going to start, and then either Jimmy's going to get injured or Trey's going to show himself in practice. And I think by the end of the year, Trey Lance will be the starter. That's my takeaway. If anything, he'll be the starter next year. He'll maybe sit, learn the ropes for a year. And we'll see how that develops here. Uh, Dalton, you're obviously the 49ers need to face them twice a year. Uh, just your reaction to Trey Lance joining your division. I like the pick, man. Yeah. I mean, I might be a, a rival of 49ers. That doesn't mean I have to hate on their picks. Uh, I like it. I, you know, I was going to like it whether they took Mac Jones or Trey Lance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm here for it. Competition, I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about competition with Zach Wilson. Trey Lance played in the FCS, like, like that. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think competition in college really matters because we've had quarterbacks in the NFL succeed that have had less competition in college than SEC quarterbacks did in college. If that makes sense, like we've had plenty of Bama quarterbacks flake in the NFL. Um, not to say that Mac will be one of those people. Well, which... Bama to a degree before, like AJ McCarron, he wasn't a dominant college pass, but he would lie on the run game during the early Saban era. Yes, and you can see as much as many, you know, like Georgia quarterbacks as well, Jake Fromm and all those boys. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that he'll get he'll, as for Trey Lance, I think that he'll start soon sooner rather than later jimmy g gets injured way too much and um i mean honestly i wouldn't be surprised if he's traded too um and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how quickly trey lance gets to be the starting quarterback of the 49ers christian you called us if i'm not mistaken you called trey lance going to the 49ers so i I bet you're happy with getting that right because i'd imagine for sure. 
Yeah, I think I think this was the right move. You know, I think Trey Lance, out of all uh, the top five quarterbacks, I think Trey is the most developmental. And I, if we, if I had all the five quarterbacks, I'm like, which one I would not trust starting? I would say Trey Lance, but I think he has the biggest upside. You know, a lot of people compare him to a, you know, to Aaron and to Mahomes. You know, with that, you know, running out of the pocket and still being pretty accurate. I still think Trey Lance is – he's not a guy I would say, yeah, start him week one. Because San Fran, I don't think they need a quarterback to start him, even though that's like one of their big needs. I don't think it's like to start. I think it's to grow and to develop. Because we've kind of seen Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, the only reason, you know, people say he succeeded a couple of years back when he went on the Super Bowl run is because, number one, they ran the ball like 99% of the time and him just throwing it like – I think he only threw it like nine to like 15 times in the NFC Championship game. It was basically um, just running the ball. And defense, one of the best defenses we've ever seen, besides probably the 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't that guy. And then – with the entire defense getting hurt and Jimmy getting hurt, we kind of realized, like, yeah, maybe it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe it was the defense and, you know, kind of like the lack of just consistency in the quarterback position just because injuries and just inaccuracy. I think Trey Lance under Kyle Shanahan, you know, he doesn't have to start week one. If Jimmy gets hurt, which maybe he will, Trey's going to be that guy, and I think he'll do well. Uh, they drafted Trey Sermon, who I think is a nice running back for them. Uh, they got two offensive linemen, Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore, who a lot of people aren't really high on Aaron Banks, so that might be a reach, you know, quote-unquote. But I still think uh, they really hit a home run with Trey Lance, and the other draft just kind of went on. But, uh, yeah, Trey Lance, it's big for San Fran. Yeah. I'd love to see how that career goes. I mean, the one year that – uh, Jimmy G played, they made a Super Bowl ride. He's always injured, it seems. So, I mean, I like the upside there, like you said. Um, another one, they, this team traded up to get a quarterback, and it's the Chicago Bears. Of course, last time they traded for a quarterback, let's take Mitch Trubisky and trade up one pick. This time they trade with the Giants, who you know, the Giants have never traded under, traded down under Gettleman. Uh, that was a first for his career. Uh, again, we, we were all together. I, as soon as I saw trade up and it's the Chicago Bears, I'm like, they're taking Justin Fields here. It's pretty obvious they're going to take Justin Fields at this pick. And I hate it because I love Fields a lot. I was hoping he'd fall to New England, but that's just me being a little petty there. But I, I love the pick a lot for the Bears. I think he's competition for, you know, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles. They still they got a lot of money, I guess, doled out to quarterbacks that one is going to get cut probably of those two. You don't care three quarterbacks on your roster normally. Um, but I love the Justin Fields pick. I don't know if he'll play right away. I think they, uh, they like Andy Dahl to a degree. So I think Dahl will play immediately, but don't be surprised if Fields is starting midseason. Like, kind of like the Tua situation in town last year where he rode the bench and then he gets the starting game. But I, I absolutely love this pick, Justin Fields, to the Bears. Christian, or Christian, I guess, isn't here right at the moment. Uh, he has some things at his house he's trying to work on, but he'll be back soon. Uh, Dolan, your takeaways with Justin Fields going to the Bears? 
I like it. My only thing is the Bears' offensive line. Are they good enough to protect Justin Fields? I think Justin can beat Andy Dalton in training camp. Like I think that Justin could be the, the week, the the uh, day one starter for Chicago. I, my only hope is that he doesn't get injured because Chicago's own line is terrible. Um, that's uh, that's my only concern. But other than that, I like the pick. I think yeah. Chicago finally woke up and decided to pick the right quarterback for once. No, it was weird because the situation that unfolded in the draft was. The Cowboys and the Eagles were sandwiched between the pick that the Giants had originally, and then the Eagles and Cowboys swapped picks, which kind of a rare intra-division trade there. And Gettleman, I guess he really wanted Devonta Smith, and then that didn't happen, so he traded down for the uh, to get Justin Fields for the Bears. Uh, Chris, I know you alluded to earlier that you really love Justin Fields, and you got Fields and trust a year now, so just uh, – your takeaways of the Packers, you know, you got a scheme for Justin Fields going forward in the next few years. Um, I think this is a home run hit again for even though this is Chicago and like any Green Bay fan would be like, oh, Justin Fields ain't anything. Justin Fields, you know, he can't throw a ball, whatever, all this crap. Um, I seriously do believe Justin Fields is the second best guy behind Trevor Lawrence. Uh, any of the top five dudes. Um, I feel like could absolutely be in the number one quarterback in a lot of these different classes. I think Mac Jones, who we'll get to in a second, he would be the number one guy if the exact same thing was happening in 2013. Because Geno Smith, EJ Manuel, that class was terrible. So I absolutely believe uh, all of these five quarterbacks are really good. And I think Justin absolutely could uh, beat Andy Dalton and Nick Foles and Cam just talent-wise alone. I think they may go Andy Dalton or Nick Foles to kind of soothe in the season, uh, depending on, you know, and we'll see the schedule release, I think, next week or two weeks away. And, um, you know, whoever I think uh, Chicago starts out playing will depend on if Justin will start or not. If it's games like Green Bay or Pittsburgh, like anything with a tough defense, I think they go Andy or Nick. Um, if it's kind of like an easier kind of team, maybe like a New York or Jacksonville or like a Tennessee, that's not like a big defense, I feel like Justin could play. I think it just depends on, you know, the schedule uh, for them. But, yeah, I think Justin Fields, I'm, I think this is their franchise guy, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I will say for as much as we don't really – as much as us and the media really and a lot of people – do not like Trubisky. He was in the playoffs a couple of times. You can say whatever you want about this past year being the uh, expanded playoffs, you know, and COVID and whatnot. But he's been in the playoffs with Trubisky. And of course, the one time was they had a really solid defense and on that team. It wasn't just solid. It was great. Yeah, they had a really great defense. Roman, Khalil Mack. I yeah. mean, they were just a monster. So, yeah, Nagy can coach. And he's got a quarterback that can play. It's going to be scary in a couple of years if Nagy is still the guy. It may get a better coach. I mean, I think it's Nagy, but maybe get a coach that can fit Phil's skill set. Anyway, on to uh, the other quarterback, my team, the New England Pages, took Mac Jones. Uh, before that, the Jets, at uh, they tripped to 14, one pick ahead. And I saw him like, oh, that's a division round. They already took a quarterback. They're not going to take anyone that I'm scared about. So Mac Jones is going to fall to us. Uh, Elijah Barry Tucker, I really did like a lot. I think the Jets. Hit a home run on that pick, you know, protection Zach Wilson. But that's a, another conversation maybe later. Uh, I'm not. I wasn't 
too thrilled with it. I pretty much uh, like resigned to, hey, we're probably going to take Mac Jones if he's available at 15. Uh, Mac had one of the better college seasons in a long time. He, like you said, like another year, Mac could have been the first pick. Like, you know, Joe Burrow shot up because of his numbers. And you know, Mac definitely benefited from having some star receivers on the team. But in the NFL, they're all NFL players. So we'll have to see. I don't think Mac plays. I don't know if he'll. I think he might play at the end of the year. But I think as of now, Cam is still the guy. I think Cam's going to start uh, this year just because, you know, the experience, you know, easing in a rookie in a really weird offseason that's virtual. Um, but I think Mac has a chance to play into the year. And Cam's only on a one year deal. So Mac Jones is probably going to be the starter next offseason unless something uh, unforeseen changes the uh, plans there. But, I mean, again, he's he was the fifth quarterback in this class for a reason. Uh, and he'll if he plays with the fifth best quarterback in the league, and uh, of these these five is not necessarily a bad thing. If he exceeds expectation, I'll take it every chance we get. But yeah, I'm not too disappointed getting Mac Jones there. Uh, Dolan, your uh, takeaways with Mac Jones going to the Patriots? The move, it, if, if Mac wasn't going three, we all pretty much thought he was going to go fifteen to the Patriots. It seemed inevitable at that point. Yeah, um, I know on draft night. Christian and I were ecstatic for you, Spence, because you got the Mac attack, the big Mac attack. Um, man, that was a good pick. Not, no, no sarcasm here. No, zero. Zero sarcasm. Uh, that was a good pick. And uh, I think he's your Belichick type of player, man. He's going to start a, a sooner sooner rather than later. Uh, he's going to do the Patriot do everything the Patriot way and uh man if I had to pick one player from this year's draft that just oozes the New England Patriots it'd be Mac Jones just something about him man the way he carries himself uh how intelligent he is for being like on the field and uh yeah I mean, Spence, that was the correct pick for you, my guy. Correct pick. Yeah, well, he was on the board. I was definitely thinking, hey, we're take Mac Jones. I'm excited because we haven't had a – during my time as a fan, we haven't had a first-round quarterback. We haven't needed to take a quarterback that early in the draft. So I'm excited to see what the future holds here. Uh, Christian, I know you were trying to roast me. To a degree, I was a little ticked off. But I mean, I've come around him. I think that it was – it's not a horrible pick. But uh, your reaction to the Patriots taking Mac Jones, Christian? Um, real quick, I thought it was kind of funny how, um, you know, we videotaped you about the Mac Jones thing, and you were, like, kind of calm about it. You were ticked, but you were calm about it. And then uh, Dalton and I, our first-round picks, you know, 2-2 two, two to the Rams, Eric Stokes to the uh, uh, Packers. Those was, was not fun at all, those two nights, uh, those two picks for us. It was not fun. But I think Mike Jones, um, I would, I definitely wanted to see him succeed. You know, I think Cam Newton is definitely day one guy. Um, I feel like Cam, you know, he, he knows like New England probably was going to go this route. But he's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, hopefully succeed in New England, take this team uh, higher than, the, you know, last year I was here. So I think Cam's the guy and Mac will eventually become the guy. And I would love to for him to be, you know, the top uh, QB over there. Uh, it is kind of interesting that two Alabama guys will, quote-unquote, eventually be the starting quarterbacks, hopefully. Tua 
and Mac Jones in the AFC East. Yeah, only he was start over Mac in college until the end. Yeah, only if Jalen Hurts was drafted by like Buffalo late or uh, which other team I'm thinking, the Jets, then yeah. that would be in the whole AFC East locker room kind of thing. And it'd be it'd be really interesting. So I think overall for Mac Jones in New England, I think it's really big for them. Yeah. Um, of course, those are the top five. We all pretty much saw like around the combine that these guys are in the top five. But of course, they, they were the only five quarterbacks they were taking um, throughout the rest of the draft. Uh, notables: Kyle Trask went into the second round at Tampa Bay. He's probably going to develop for a couple of years. Third round, you know, Kellen Mond went 66th out of A&M to the Vikings, who the Vikings reportedly were interested in Justin Fields if Fields was available at 14. Would have been really something if Fields had a – or maybe Trent Trip, I think, too. If Fields would have ended up in Minnesota instead of Chicago. Davis Mills, 67, is the other quarterbacks taken. If you want to say something, feel free. But who's the one quarterback outside the first round you think has the best chance to succeed? For me, it may surprise some people. But I like that Kellen Mond pick for the Vikings, for the sole fact that, you know, Kirk Cousins, I like Kirk more than other people do. But Kirk, only, I think he only has like two years, maybe three under his contract for the Vikings. I think Mond in there, have him develop for a couple years. And then, you know, if Kirk, unfortunately, if he goes down with injury, or maybe Mond just shows him. I don't think Mond's going to show him. He can't even pass Kirk Cousins immediately. But, you know, maybe Kirk is injured, or maybe it comes time to renew Kirk, and like, hey, we like this Kellen Mond kid here. Um, so I don't think, I don't think Kellen Mond's going to have the immediate success. But I think down the road, I think Kellen Mond has a chance to be, quote-unquote, the best of the rest, if I may use that. Um, but, again, the other picks, I think Trask, he's going to develop under Brady for a couple years. I think Mills could start right away, just given the Houston's dysfunction they have right now with Deshaun Watson and whatnot. And even if Watson's not sure, he's, he's likely to be suspended just because of some off-the-field stuff. So Mills might start right away, but I I think of the other questions, I like Kelamon a lot. I think he has a chance to succeed, given the right tools. Um, I'll go Christian first here. Uh, who's your best of the rest for the quarterbacks this year? Um, man, this is going to be interesting. I like I don't think Mond is like a bad player, but I don't think Mond is. Like, I was watching him against, like, you know, Alabama and other teams at Texas A&M, and I thought Kellen was just okay. I didn't think he really uh, controlled the offense as much. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's a really good coach and really, uh, I think, pushed Kellen Mond to be higher. But I think Kellen Mond, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but I think Kellen Mond's just kind of overrated. Uh, he was, quote-unquote, you know, uh, the next best quarterback behind the top five. Um, I like Kyle Trask. I thought he has a good arm. Uh, he needs, I think, some time to develop, and I think the Buccaneers, I think that's the best place, honestly, is because they got a good offensive line. Uh, they have enough growing defense. Even though there's some guys that are older, you know, JPP, Shaq Barrett will be in his 30 soon. Uh, Mike Evans will be around 30 soon. So it's an old, it's going to be an older roster, but I feel like, you know, Tampa Bay before Brady was there, it's like, it's a really good roster. Just one quarterback away. Tampa got their quarterback. They won the Super Bowl. So I think Kyle Trask, uh, very blessed to be in that spot, uh, picking Tampa. 
And I think he'll have the biggest feeling right now. Yeah. And again, Jimmy G centered Tom Brady for a couple years. Brady got suspended. Jimmy G showed out. Then he ended up going to San Francisco, which, again, we dissed Jimmy G up to a degree. Part of it's because of the injuries. But I think Jimmy's a good quarterback, but he's not great necessarily. Uh, Dalton, are you going to pick a different quarterback or are you going to choose one of us? That One of our quarterbacks we've said. I'm going to pick a different quarterback, yo. Oh, yeah, I uh, love it. One of us, maybe we'll be right. Or maybe Sam Ellinger is the answer. Sam Ellinger. Ready he, to went to the Colts. he went to the Colts in the sixth he round. The Colts. Yes, in the sixth Colts round. in the sixth round? Get out of yeah. here. No, he anyway, who's your best of the rest, Dalton? Man, I like Davis Mills out of Stanford. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've seen history has shown us that, um, well – there's been very few Sanford quarterbacks to really make it, make it in the NFL. But I think Davis Mills had a chance to make an impact right away just because of that whole debacle, that whole thing with uh, uh, the lawsuits and Deshaun Watson. Um, if Watson doesn't end up playing, in addition, like he also wants out of Houston. Uh, so I think Davis Mills uh, with – I mean, they still got wide receivers that can catch, obviously. David Johnson out of the backfield. Will Fuller's not there anymore, but uh, Brandon Cooks, um, he's a good wide receiver. I don't know if he's going to do a lot, especially because they made such a terrible head coaching hire. Um, still, I still have questions about that to this day. Uh, but I think that he could he could make he could make some impact right now at least, um, despite the massive dysfunction that is Houston. Yeah. Anyway, on to uh, we're gonna look at um, let's just go with this. Go with the player that we thought was the biggest reach and the biggest steal, and then we'll go to our uh, who we think the best draft or the worst draft was this year. Uh, for me, I think the biggest reach in this year's class. It's the end of the first round, so it's not like uh, too big of a reach that it's uh, necessarily going to look bad. But if he kind of flames out, it's kind of like, why would you pick him there? No, it's not who you probably think I'm going to say. I think some people maybe think I'm going to go one way. I'm going to go Peyton Turner, defensive end out of Houston. I think he's a kid personally. I don't really know him, but I was like – I was, was more of a head-scratcher at 28 for the Saints when they took Peyton Turner. I hear he's got a very uh, high character – from what I remember seeing that they probably things fell low with that. But for a Saints team that was rumored to maybe trade up in the top 10 for not a quarterback, but a cornerback, um, I don't know who the Saints should have taken at 28, but it just was a head-scratcher for me that that's who they decided to go with at 28. Um, Dalton, who was your player you think was the biggest reach in this year's draft class? Um, I... You, I mean, you guys think that I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm sorry, Christian. Eric Stokes, bro, you guys, that was a big reach. It was. Uh, I believe you. The Jags took Georgia's best corner literally the day after y'all took Eric Stokes. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm sorry. Well, I shouldn't be sorry because you didn't pick them. The Packers picked them, but mm-hmm. – that was a big reach, in my opinion. Yeah. Christian, who do you see as the biggest reach? You can go with Dawn and say Eric Stokes here, or you got a different one? Uh, no, I got a, I got a different one. Um, 
And by the way, I don't know what just happened on my screen. Uh, but I think the biggest reach is Alex Leatherwood out of Las Vegas. He came from Alabama to the Las Vegas Raiders. I understand that tackle was the need. You know, they had to basically dismantle the offensive line due to the reduced salary cap uh, after COVID-19 hit, you know, the world. So they had to release Ronnie Hudson, uh, who was getting paid a crap ton of money. And I I do forget the tackle's name, but there was only one remaining tackle at Alabama. So I was thinking, okay, on the board is Christian Derisaw. There's Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. There's uh, Walker Little. You know, there's Samuel Cosme. There are some good tackles on the board. And Alex Leatherwood, who is listed as a tackle, he played better at guard. He was just a better guard than tackle. But the Ra- you know, the Raiders, as they do, you know, they kind of reach for the stars. Uh, they got Mike Mayock as a GM, so, you know, he may – he may know something that we don't, but I thought it was a bigger leash, reach because I thought Derisaw and Tevin were two tackles. I, you know, they're not can't miss prospects like um, you know Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, but these two guys I feel like are very, very good to have to start. You know, day one in Las Vegas, I think that's the biggest reach. You know, Eric Stokes absolutely get that. Hated it. Absolutely believe he could have been drafted like in the third round. Um, and then, uh, then Turner out of, uh, Houston going to new Orleans, that's kind of a bigger reach, but I think Leatherwood just because he was better as a guard, but he got listed as a tackle for some reason. And then, yeah. So I just think it's a, just a little bit of a bigger reach. You know, I don't actually hate that pick, which is weird because I've said the same in the past with the Raiders took like Cleveland Farrell number four. I was like, I don't hate them. I think the four is a reach for Cleveland Farrell. And I think it definitely showed it was. But I was like, I like the guy, but I think it, it was not the right pick. Same with Leatherwood. I like Leatherwood. Maybe he could have gone into the second round. You know, if we get a second round pick on Leatherwood, it doesn't look nearly as bad, given, as you said, Darisaw and others were available. But I don't absolutely hate that pick, honestly. But maybe I would. I know I've been wrong in the past, too. Anyway, uh, biggest still of the draft. And for me, I looked at it. I think it's only really – I mean, this, you can say take it out of your one. There's a lot of ways you can go with it. But somehow, some way, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, who – again, I'm not an expert on O-line play, but I've heard the name Trey Smith. I hear, he, you know, he's really good. He's an offensive guard. Uh, there were some medicals. I think they said, like, he had like, some lung issues in the past, which is weird because I was listening to someone say that he could have opted out last year. He and he has a long issue in the past that so he'd be at a higher risk for COVID nineteen. He didn't. He played every game. Somehow, and this thing was like uh, with JOK earlier in the draft. He fell a second round to Cleveland because of uh, some health issues that not too severe. But I think getting Trey Smith in the sixth round for the Chiefs. It, I mean, for a team that their old line play was the worst part of the team. Getting a guy like Trey Smith in the sixth round is an absolute steal, in my opinion. I think the Chiefs did a home run. With I mean, they did a home run with a lot of picks, but I think Trey Smith at that stage of the game, I think that's really good value there. Uh, Dalton, I'll go to you first. You're a biggest steal in this year's draft class. Um, well, I've, I I actually have a couple. Um, 
Yeah, go Jeremiah Owusu Koromora was taken 52nd overall when he should have been a day one pick. I definitely agree on that, too. Uh, I think the Browns got an absolute steal. Um, I mean, really, they got two steals because it took Greg Newsom earlier um, out of a, a cornerback out of Northwestern. And then um, the fact that the Chargers were able to pick up Asante Samuel Jr. at pick 47 was beknownst to me. Like, I, I hadn't. I was shocked that he fell that far. Um, I thought that the Sante Samuel Jr. was one of the, one of the one of the top corners in the draft that would go like late first round, maybe maybe early second, but not 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 as far down as forty seven for sure. Yeah, uh, Christian, who's your uh, biggest steal in this year's draft class, at least in the moment? Uh, I'm just going to go to a position. I think Trayvon Morig to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think that is the biggest shock. You know, he is, you know, quote unquote, the best safety coming in this class out of TCU and two guys, uh, Richie Grant out of UCF and Javon Holland, uh, from Miami, uh, well out of Oregon to Miami, they got picked up before Trayvon. And I thought, you know, he's one of the best safeties in this class and they picked up a lot of safeties. They picked up Trayvon. Uh, Devon Diablo, uh, what is that? Diablo? I'm guessing it's kind of like that. <laughs> and then Tyree uh, Gillespie. So they picked up three safeties in, you know, day two and early day three. So the Raiders, they had the safety hole. I'm guessing they filled it up with uh, three rookies. And also, Jamar Johnson. He got picked up in the fifth round? In the fifth round. I cannot believe it. He's like a top five safety. And a whole bunch of safeties went before him. He came up, you know, comes out of Indiana, and you know he's, you know, people say he, you know, one of the most versatile. He's one of the, one of the quickest. Um, you know, he's probably not the strong safety like the center fielder should be, kind of, you know, quote unquote. But I thought Jamar was one of the top safeties and kind of a steal if he fell to uh, round three or maybe even round four. But he wasn't picked up to round round five in Denver. Denver's got a it's got an interesting team. They pick up a nice quarterback, better than Teddy or Drew Locke. It could be, you know, uh mid 2010s uh Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning. So, you know, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see where you know how those two do. And I think they are the biggest steals in the class. Yeah, I agree. And I've noticed that like in the last couple years, safety seems to not be valued as highly as some people. Like, probably should. And even the Raiders taking three six. That's really ridiculous that they took. I mean, they obviously see something. They made a move one in the corner, you know, play those uh, packages where you throw three safeties on the field and, you know, in the back. Who knows what they're going to do. But safety seems to be very undervalued lately. Uh, then uh, one last thing before we go to our overall thoughts on the draft class. Biggest surprise of the undrafted players. And for me, I think it's a – I think it's kind of an easy, like, open and shut case. It's still a Moses out of Alabama. How he slipped undrafted, I get that he has injury concerns, but you're telling me that in the seventh round, you're not going to take a flyer on this kid and guarantee that you have him on your roster. You're going to try to fight. He can go to Jacksonville, undrafted free agent to Jacksonville. And, you know, as Jacksonville has said, they had success last year with a UDFA with uh, James Robinson. I don't know how he slipped undrafted. I know the injuries are a concern. He was going to slip in the draft. But 
he's got a lot of potential to do uh, some great things in the future. Uh, Dalton, an undrafted free agency that uh, sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, I got, I got two really. <coughs> Dylan Moses, I agree with you. Fans, I don't know why he didn't even get drafted. Um, I mean, he's a good player. Like you said, injury concerns, but you know that hasn't really that 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 can either. I mean, sometimes that uh, hurts players in the NFL. Sometimes it doesn't. And then Jarrett Patterson did not get drafted. He's a running back from Buffalo. Remember that game? I think it was a few yes, months ago. Yes, that running yes. back goes off for oh god, what do you have like seven touchdowns? It was one I of the was, better performances in a while. I was shocked that he didn't get drafted. Uh, I thought that he was one of the finer running backs in the class. I think that Washington got an absolute steal mm. uh, by by signing him. Nick Christian, uh, who's your uh, biggest surprise of the undrafted players this year? Um, yeah, I gotta go with y'all and say, you know, Dylan Moses is definitely one of those guys. Um, and I mean, heck, if injury didn't happen, he was projected to be what number one, you know, number two kind of uh, linebacker. Yes, up in the last class. And uh, I think, I think another guy that y'all haven't mentioned, uh, I think Jamie Newman. I think Jamie Newman, uh, Jamie Newman, who got picked up in uh, I believe Philly, it was. Um, I think he was definitely one of the best uh, quarterbacks not drafted. Um, I kind of, I kind of see, you know, Felipe and uh, uh, the SMU kid, and you know, KJ Castillo from Mississippi State. I understand um, all of them, but Jamie Newman, I thought, you know, he did play at Wake Forest, transferred to Georgia, you know, sat out and then went to the draft. That kind of hurt him. Uh, not playing, you know, last year, you know, could have some question marks. But I still think he's a good project and a good, you know, QB to have on, you know, the radar. So, Philly, you know, I think we got a little steal in that. And then uh, Javion Hawkins going to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think he is an absolute steal for them. They're, you know, they're interesting at running back the Atlanta Falcons are. So, I hope Javion definitely gets some playing time over there. Uh, hopefully in the preseason, he def- definitely gets playing time. Um, you know, Mike Davis, uh, I think they have, you know, JV on, uh, they got some interesting, you know, running backs there, not a ton of depth, but a little couple guys. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I like how you bring up Hawkins because I thought he could be a potential seventh round pick, but I like the Falcons, uh, picking him up. Anyway, on to, uh, who thought the best Draft classes were this past year, and I got a couple that I really like. One is uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I like that Rondell Moore pick in the second round. I mean, I thought whoever Rondell Moore went to, they're getting an absolute stud of an athlete there. I get he's a small frame, but you know he's he is very fast. I've seen him play in person. I've seen him play in college level on TV. He he's that guy. He's gonna be very good for the Cardinals. Uh, Zayvon Collins. You can see a bit of a reach, but I think he is a very talented player. And Zayvon Collins, absolutely love that pick for the Cardinals. And another one who I hate to admit this, but Buffalo. I think Greg Rousseau is one of the better defensive edge rushers in this year's class. Uh, Carlos Basham Jr., another edge rusher. That McDermott's going to have a field day with these guys. 
on the edge next season. And Buffalo's defense is going to look even scarier. Uh, Northern tackle, Northern Iowa left tackle, or I think played right tackle actually. Spencer Brown, not just because that's my name, but I think he's got a lot of potential to be uh, very good in the league. So I like Buffalo's class and Arizona's class a lot. Christian, who is uh, your best draft class this year? I think the best draft class, it's going to go to a division rival. And I got to admit, I did not – like, I don't want Detroit, Minnesota, or uh, Chicago to have any good class. I want them all to whiff on their picks, get the worst player available. I, feel exactly, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I want them to just be absolutely – terrible but i'm gonna have to admit it and it's gonna suck and i know one of our friends who's a green bay packers fan is gonna if he hears this he's gonna hate me i think the best class goes to the chicago bears i think getting justin fields is an absolute home run and he's the franchise guy in my opinion i think tevin jenkins out of oklahoma state i would consider him one of the best tackles in this year's class. Uh, they rank him at number four. I would say about the same thing. They got Khalil Herbert, the running back out of Virginia Tech, very underrated, and I feel like he could be really big for them. Um, you know, they also picked up receiver Daz Newsom, North Carolina, kind of under the radar. And a lot of the other guys you haven't heard, but I think Chicago has had a – they had a really, really good class – and it also kind of pains me to say it, but I think Dallas actually came away with a decent class as well. I think Micah Parsons, one of the best inside of linebackers. A lot of people are saying character-wise, but I think when you look on the field, Micah's one of the best linebackers today. Um, you know, from college to the NFL, I mean. Uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Joseph, who played at the University of Kentucky and uh, corner, he's really good. I think they needed help inside on the defense. They got, uh, don't know how to pronounce that name, but Osa out of UCLA and Chauncey Golson out of Iowa. Two kind of mid-round picks in the defense in the interior. I mean, their best defensive lineman was Alden Smith, who hasn't played, who hadn't played for like five years. So they just need all the defensive help they can get, and they hit it with their first several picks. So I think it's uh, it is really big for them, and uh, we still good. Yeah, we're good. Oh, okay. Well, I saw a Dalton text. So. Yeah, I guess uh, if Dalton reconnects, we'll get his thoughts on uh, the best draft class. Um, and then I guess we'll go to who we thought had the worst draft class, and I don't know how you're gonna take this because I know you question some of the picks, but I'm not a big fan of the Packers draft class. I, I did like Myers and I did like Rogers, but I think they like Eric Stokes just does not rub me the right way. I think they could have gone later, as we've all said. Um, don't know much about the later round picks, but I wasn't. Although I did like Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State late in the seventh round, and yeah. then another one that I did not like much, which I know Dahl was really high on Davis Mills, but Houston as a whole, I'm not a big fan of that draft class. Um, they had no first no picking the first two rounds, which I think definitely hurts him a lot. I think Nico Collins could be good, but I wouldn't necessarily bet on that, necessarily. And, you know, with the limited picks they had, I, I think they made what they could out of it, but that they're going to be so 
bag just because they don't have a top. They trade their first two picks in this year's draft to get, you know, players that are you know that don't really play that much of a factor. Anyway, Christian, who was your uh, who think had the worst draft class this year? I think two guys who had the worst. Uh, I think Las Vegas. Even though I like Trayvon Morag, and um, you know they picked up three different safeties. Like I still, I don't like. I'm looking at this list. I'm like, I've heard of nobody besides uh, Morag. I absolutely think he's a steal, but they definitely didn't go after wide receiver, which was a big need for them. They didn't really go for interior, you know, help on defense. They had four picks. Uh, or really five that are, you know, back seven and then a tackle and a center. So they really didn't hit, um, I would say, their big needs overall. And I would say another class, I don't know if I should give them crap or not, but Seattle. I mean, they only picked up three dudes. That, and, I saw that. That was really I mean, and, and then you trade a lot of picks for future and stuff. But we all, you know, kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation, there was talk with Russell Wilson uh, and the Seattle Seahawks organization not getting along. And the only thing to help him out for that is Dwayne Eskridge, who was, you know, number 10 listed receiver. And I don't know, you know, where every other receiver was at this point, but I don't know how great he is or how good he is out of Western Michigan or if he's really going to help. You know, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that's, you know, kind of a good set to be around with Russell Wilson. But Trey Brown out of Oklahoma, uh, kind of a reach. And then Stone Forshaw, who I've never heard of out of Florida. You know, only three guys, so can you really, um, you know, judge them on that? Maybe, maybe not. They should have kind of drafted, I would say, at least five, six players to get at least some depth on your team. So I think uh, Las Vegas and Seattle are not too worst. Yeah, I See, I was like you said, hit or miss here because I've heard a little bit about Eskridge lately that he could be kind of a hidden gem, small school type. And then Stone Forsyth, just one of the better names in the class, but I don't know how that's going to translate to the field production. Uh, there's like a little a couple like other notes about this draft here. Um, the New York Jets in this year's draft class, they took in, I'm going to make sure I get this right. In the fourth round, they took Michael Carter, running back, out of UNC. And then in the fifth round, they took Michael Carter the second safety out of Duke. Two guys from rival colleges with the same name. And I had no clue that both these guys existed. Oh, wow. I, was, I just realized that, too. Yeah. I, I wow. was about that. Uh, I was listening to someone say that maybe they took the wrong guy first, and that's what happened. I don't know how believable that story is. But – I, that's just crazy that these guys play at rival colleges. So, you know, UNC Duke has played every year and no one has thought, Hey, let's see what, uh, like this matchup here. Like can Michael Carter, the DB get Michael Carter, the running back. Like, I don't think they ever tackle each other. That'd be crazy. If they ever did. Um, but yeah, that's just something wild. One that I did know existed. Um, I knew there was a running back, and it's only because of my name, Spencer Brown. There's a running back for UAB. He signed with the Panthers as an undrafted free agent. I had seen him play a few times. I kind of was hoping he'd get drafted. Nonetheless, the uh, Bills, they signed the right tackle. Uh, just all around, you got names. Like, you know, there's the Josh Allen's in the league. 
Uh, there's other names I'm blanking on right now, but this uh, guys with the same name, that's just uh, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, there's only so many names you can go with. I definitely think the Michael Carter thing will definitely be weird. Yes, in the locker. I mean, they play Michael Carter the second, and, you know, Carter the second, and Carter on their jerseys. But yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, at least they get like I said, they play one's offense, one's defense. So I don't know how much they're gonna be, but like if you're uh, Robert Sala, like, hey Carter, like which one? Like it's even like this last name. You can't even say the first name because you have the chance to mess up on people. Uh, anyway, Dolan is having connection issues, so uh, we'll move on. The only thing else I want to bring up is uh, the NBA standings for the updated as of well, tonight, today's date is May 5th at night. Um, so right now the uh, top seeds in both conference, Philadelphia, 76ers looking to hold on there. Phoenix Suns out west, they have the edge over the Jazz, you know, they're tied right now. Um Suns like have clawed out because last time I checked the stings, they were in the seventh seed, but now your Miami Heat have taken the seventh seed. It's gonna go well, back. We're actually tied right now. I yeah, see. we're tied, but it might has Boston as the uh, I think because of the last win. Yeah, yeah, anyway, that's gonna be an interesting uh battle there. One of us is gonna play the play, which I hate that just for us. And, like, let me, and let me uh kind of say this real quick. Uh, it came on the news about LeBron speaking out about the uh playing tournament and stuff. And, you know, there's probably a couple of people out there that are saying, uh, oh, the only reason, out, you know, LeBron's mentioning it and how it's terrible is because they're number six right now. And they're only a half game in front of the Portland Trailblazers. And how, you know, depending, you know, with Schroeder being out, AD being in and out, LeBron being out, uh, LA may actually go into the play-in tournament and may That'd actually be crazy. Be Last year's finals, both teams possibly in the play-in tournament. Absolutely. Well, I think because of rest. Yeah, I think that's the thing. They rush thing. together. Like, hey, we need to start soon so we can make some money, like make some revenue up. And I get that as a business standpoint, but the side effects of the players, like outside, like someone brought point. Boston was in the conference finals last year. They're near the bottom of the. They're on the edge. Miami in the NBA finals. LA NBA finals. Denver was in the conference finals. Yeah, Denver was in the conference right. finals. They did get swept, or it yeah. was a five-game sweep. But, like, Denver's doing okay. But, I mean, they're still four games back from Utah and Phoenix. Like, in the Clippers, they got an early exit. You know, Clippers and Nuggets are the same thing. So, I do think rest is a big issue with that. But, at the same time, I mean, yeah, revenue and everything, trying to build up, uh, you know, the cap and everything. Because, you know, like I mentioned, COVID – uh, hurts everybody, even the big time, you know, franchises. But I think, I think it's kind of hypocritical when you at the beginning of the season are like, oh, I like this playing tournament. It's something different. It's something to add, you know, some of the revenue and, and you know, extra paychecks and stuff. And the second LA doesn't turn out to be as dominant as we think, oh, it sucks. Someone should get fired. I think it's kind of hypocritical. But I mean, I'm just a fan. He's LeBron James. But I think it. I still think it'll be interesting either way to see what happens with LA and Miami, the the final teams of last season, possibly in the playing tournament, and may miss the uh, playoffs entirely. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I get. I was a fan of it. Looking back, I think it's mostly because the lack of rest for certain players, and I get it, they rushed the season. Again. Maybe just a normal season with this look. And I think it was Scott Brooks, the coach, of the Wizards, that said this. He's like, if you're in that six and seven range. 
you absolutely hate it. But if you're like 8, 9, 10, 11, you got like, hey, we got a chance at a playoff spot like the Wizards. They're currently 10. Then you like the idea because your season's not over yet. I think it's yeah. just about perspective on it. And as I said, with, as a Celtics fan, I absolutely hate if we make the play in tournament because, you know, with how inconsistent bosses, it would surprise me if we lost both games. Miami, I think, can make a they'll make the playoffs. I think at least. I haven't watched many heat games. But anyway, as things currently show, uh the East, Miami seven, Charlotte's eight, which that's an intriguing matchup because Charlotte's got some pieces, but they're injured. But Lamelo just came back, which Yeah, Lamelo Lamelo's coming back. So yeah. they yeah. may be we'll see cool for us. Yeah, and then nine ten, you got Indianapolis and Washington. In a one-game format, I like the Wizards just because, you know, Bradley Bill, one of the underrated players, I think at leading the league in scoring, I think. I got to check that. But, you know, Russell's getting triple doubles, and Washington's intensity is scary over there. I uh, think, Christian, yeah. your thoughts on the East, at least. Um, yeah, so, you know, the playoffs uh, started tomorrow, and we play Charlotte. Uh, I'd be honestly scared. I think Charlotte is a very underrated team. Uh, we were kind of discussing this, uh, remember back in our preseason talk, where Charlotte, you know, they may not be, you know, one, two, three, or four, but they could absolutely uh, steal a playoff spot, you know, going into this year. Um, and I think Charlotte has absolutely done that, and they could actually beat Miami, uh, Washington. Uh, I think Bradley Beal, like you mentioned, very underrated. Uh, he's one of the workhorses of that team. He's the only workhorse on that team, it feels like. And um, we all, you know, we all have our feelings about him being traded and him leaving Washington. But I feel like he wants to build something there in Washington. Uh, I hope they succeed against the Pacers, and then, you know, uh, I hope they don't beat Miami because I want Miami to be in the playoffs. But I think they absolutely could be a dark horse going into the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'd rather play Brooklyn than get eliminated in the play-in tournament. As much as Brooklyn's scary with those guys, I'd rather oh, be yeah. in the main field. And it's going to be a wild couple weeks as the season's coming down soon. Uh, anyway, out west, you got some intriguing matchups here. 7-8 is Portland and Golden State, which Portland, if you remember, they were in the play-in tournament last year because they implemented for the bubble like, hey – if you're within X amount of games, which ended up being a half-game difference between Portland and Memphis, who Memphis is the other matchup, Portland was in a playing tournament last year, and they won. Again, and Dame in the bubble was just insane. But you got Portland and Golden State. You got Steph and Dame. You got CJ over in Portland. I wish Clay was playing so we get the top two guards, arguably the best two guard duos in the league. Um, I think that would go Golden State's way. And Terry Stotts, from what I saw report, could be on the hot seat if Portland misses the playoffs. He's made it every year but his first year. He's been in Portland for a while. And then the other game, Memphis and San Antonio. Memphis, obviously, John Morant. San Antonio is just that they're getting up there in age. They need to – I don't think Pop needs to go, but they need to, like, reset the whole roster and try to get some younger players on there. Maybe they have some younger players. I'm not familiar with the Spurs. But it just seems like the league, to a degree, they want Zion in because he's going to draw ratings. And the Pelicans just, I'm going to say, they suck. And they're now out of, they're two years out of the playoffs. Maybe the Pelicans make a run late, but it does not appear likely at this moment. I don't know. Christian, your thoughts out west? Um, Yeah, you know, you mentioned Memphis and uh, San Antonio. I think a lot of people would love to see John Morant and uh, Zion kind of go at it again. Uh, the one and two picks from 2019. Um, or really, it was actually 2020. It was last class. 
Uh, no, it was 2019. What am I talking about? Yeah, um, these years go together. Yeah, like 2020, it just doesn't feel like it's happened. It's just a whole bunch of, you know, schmush together. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think Portland I, – like, I would hate it, you know, for, um, you know, Portland to fire their coach because I think Portland has done a good job. I just think the West is just pretty loaded. You know, Utah is just – you know, Utah and Phoenix are amazing in my opinion. Uh, Clippers have built up since the All-Star break. Denver's real good. Uh, Dallas and L.A. I mean, it is kind of feel like a stretch because it's full. It's you know after four Denver, it's really everybody else between Dallas, L.A., and Portland. Uh, Golden State. Like I, we didn't think that they were actually going to be up high really after Clay got hurt and uh, you know Wiseman's been hurt so. It's kind of been hard for Steph to kind of carry this team really on his own with Draymond and Wiggins here and there. But I, I say Portland is very interesting. I would want them to uh, go into the playoffs. And then, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, San Antonio's real old. DeMar DeRozan, uh, Derek White, and uh, Joe – how do you pronounce his name? Like, you know, Poe something. I don't know how to – Oh, Jakob Pogel? Pogel. That's what his name is. Yeah, former um, uh, Raptor. Yeah, so I think like they're a good team, but yeah, I think they need to kind of reboot that roster in San Antonio, and I think this is kind of underrated. But I think Greg should kind of retire. I mean, his old ways are done since uh, Tim Duncan left, and they really haven't been the same franchise really since. So I feel like you know that could be a way to go for San Antonio. Just you know, let Greg retire off in the sunset and just you know rebuild that t- that team. Um, I would like to see Sacramento and New Orleans possibly make a run there. Uh, I always thought, you know, Sacramento is underrated. A lot of their roster is underrated with De'Aaron and Marvin. Even um, Halliburton, but Halliburton just got injured after the rest of the year. But Halliburton's been really good this year. Yeah, so I thought Sacramento would do something, but they kind of look like they're you're just outside looking in. Um, but the West looks really interesting. I would want you know Portland and maybe even. Uh, Memphis going in. Golden State, it's not the same team really since Clay got hurt and KD left. Uh, if Clay gets hurt again, honestly, Clay should just think about retirement because three seasons in a row, right before they really play, he gets hurt, really kind of sinks the team. So, yeah, yeah, I think Portland and Memphis are my two favorites for that. Yeah, I would like to see if, if we get a Portland Memphis rematch in. Uh... In a playing game like they did in the bubble last year, that's going to be interesting there. But real quick, Dalton did text us his draft class as he likes. I know we're going back there. He is a big fan of the Broncos and the Dolphins. And then, like Christian, he was not a big fan of the uh, Raiders draft class that they had this year. Uh, It's a shame. I mean, he had internet connection issues, which, I mean, we get what we pay for with this. But NBA playoffs, the play-in is May 18th. That's Less than two weeks away, as crazy as that sounds. Um, Christian, you got any uh, final thoughts on uh, anything we discussed tonight? Um, I mean, really nothing much. I hope, you know, with the Rodgers-Packers situation, it, uh, you know, they kind of bury the hatchet and deal with, you know, this upcoming season. And maybe next offseason, if Aaron wants to leave, Aaron wants to leave. I feel like, you know, because the season is seriously – uh, just several months away, it kind of like, well, Green Bay's not going to be anything. 
Uh, it would, you know, it's, it's kind of out of the blue. So hopefully Rodgers and Green Bay one last year, just kind of deal with each other. And then maybe next year, Aaron wants to leave. Aaron can leave. Yeah, I mean, we saw how Brady Belichick that final year just did not seem like they want to be necessarily together or whatnot. And, of course, Brady stuck it out, left in for agency. So we'll have to see how uh, the two sides manage it out together. It, it's going to be an interesting saga. This offseason is just getting wild. Um, anyway, thanks again for listening to Out of Bounds. As always, subscribe to us. Uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast on whatever platform it is, feel free to subscribe, share with your friends. And as always, I'm Spencer Brown. And I'm Christian Ernst. And uh, for Dalton Bishop, thanks for listening to another episode of Out of Bounds. Enjoy the rest of your day.